Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Today we're going to start a new series, basically about some of the stories of some of the people in the Bible that you know about during the Christmas story. But today I thought before we get started with their story, I'd like to share you share with you another story of somebody in our church. We're going to do this kind of each week a little bit about someone who took some ideas, followed Jesus, and they have a story they want to share with you. So take a look at this, and then you can be seated. The Lord first talked to me about these outreaches about 12 years ago in a dream and I saw myself on this big stage and there was a lot of people in front of me. He told me that to take the word out of the church, that he wanted um, people outside of the church, outside of the walls to know about him. Typically an outreach looks like, let's say we've done several of them at Ridge Ferry and we just start singing worship where maybe the people that are walking by on the path or kids in the park and stuff like that and parents that they'll come over and just see what's happening because they may listen to music where they wouldn't listen to the word and several times we've asked for if anybody needed prayer at the end and if they needed healing in any way that they could come up for healing that's typically what it looks like. My heart really is is to show that it's not a it's not about where you go to church. It's not about if you even go to church, which we know that's the Lord's plan. But for this, it's about bringing people together and being one in Christ Jesus, being the body. Before an outreach, I feel kind of. Not nervous, but I just feel like I need direction from the Lord because each time it's been different. So I, I just try to spend time with the Lord and let Him tell me what He wants it to look like. First of all, if you're stepping out in a new area outside of the church, something that's new to you, it is a little scary in a way because you want it to be good and you want it to be this or you want it to be that but i would say to you do it just do it what no matter what it looks like especially if it's too big for you to do when you've never done something before and you're a little scared it's probably the lord during an outreach i usually just am kind of soaked up in it and just love it um, because the Lord always does something different afterwards I'm very thankful to even let me do anything like this and to partner with you and and thank you for because if it's just the people that I know that come even and get a blessing and I just want to brag on him about that putting people together that wouldn't even normally even know each other I love it. I love the Holy Spirit because he's just adventurous in which he put that in me too. I just want to brag on him because whatever he does is perfect. 
So, so I was at one of the outreaches that Trish did, and so she did a number of these. This is where all this crazy mess happened. With, you know, can't go anywhere, can't be anywhere, can't whatever we're doing anymore. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, with all the COVID and everything else that we got going on that, uh, so she would do these things out different places, all over different places. I was at the one, we went to Cave Springs, she did it, and a lady was there, she had cancer, and happened to be the thing, she asked me, of all people, I walked through the Rolter Park, I'm like, I'm just there, I ain't, I'm off duty, you know what I'm saying? Like, I am not, I ain't got no preacher name on or nothing like that, and here I go, I run to somebody, you know, and you, you may think, well, that's, that's awesome, Joseph, that's the Lord. Okay, yes, it is, I'm not putting that down, I'm just telling you. I was just strolling through the park, minding my own business. I was, this was not my event. You know what I'm saying? And this lady comes, she, she's like, just, hey, do you know what's going on over there? I was like, yeah, they're doing some worship and stuff. Like, what, what church are they with? I said, well, it ain't really with the church. They with a bunch of Christians. They all got together and wanted to do this for people. And she goes, well, you think they would pray for me? I said, of course they would pray for you. Well, here's the crazy thing. The lady says, says, well, I've had cancer for however long. I was like, you know what? You picked the right event today, girl, because these ladies over here, there's about three or four of them that done been through that, and the Lord healed them. So come over here and let me. They prayed with this lady in the middle of Cave Spring Park. You know, it was the coolest thing ever, all because somebody stepped out, didn't need a church, and did what God asked them to do. You know, and I could tell you my story all day long, but when you hear somebody else's story, and every one of you have a story like that, every one of you in here could tell me something God's used you in and that you've done. But your story really does matter. And isn't it funny how we do with stories? When you hear a story, you hear it firsthand from something like Trish, you go like, wow, you know, I could see that happen. I kind of, you put yourself into the, into the story, you know? And so with the story of Christmas, it's very similar. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about some of the, the prophet's story, if you will, in the Old Testament. Many of these individuals who prophesied about Jesus, they gave a story about Jesus, but many people didn't really understand what they were talking about because their story sounded a little weird, if you will. And we all love a good story, don't we? Come on, let's just be real. We all love a good story. Don't you hate going to the movies? Well, when you could go to the movies, don't you hate when you watch a movie? And like the storyline is so goofy. It's just like, where are they going with this? You know, I mean, I could even watch a Hallmark movie as long as the storyline is unpredictable. But you know, like about nine out of 10 of them things, I done figured out that guy there is going to get, well, that girl over there, she ain't going to get married to that guy. They're going to meet by the, by the little cookie machine and then they're going to be forever in love. You know, and it's, it's, it's now I love when I'm watching, I'm like, wait a minute. Now they threw me on that one. Who's the writer of those movies? He needs to, or she needs to write more of them. You know, that's the way I feel. But we all love a good story. I mean, even Disney does great with this. You think about like Finding Nemo, my kids, all of them have watched Finding Nemo. It's the craziest movie. You watch Finding Nemo, it's two hours long, and for an hour and 45 minutes, what is taking place? A story plot where Marlon is finding Nemo. That's all he does. He finds an absent-minded fish. He sees a shark, three sharks, matter of fact, one named Bruce. But then he also finds a number of other things, right? For an hour and a half, Marlon is finding Nemo. In the last five minutes, he finds Nemo. Nemo goes down the drain, comes out the sewer somewhere. They're reunited under the little fishing boat. He goes back to school. Credits roll. That's it. But for an hour and a half, you sat that movie. You watched a story about something unpredictable. You didn't know what was going to take place or how it was going to end. I mean, obviously, they gave the, the plot away when they said he's going to find Nemo. You figure he's going to find him. But you watch that whole thing, and I don't care who you are. You've watched it with your children. you watched it with your grandchildren. And don't act like, oh, well, I don't watch no Finding Nemo. You liked that movie, didn't you? Yes, you did. I know you did. The story of Christmas is no different. 
The story of Christmas is very interesting. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah gave a story that no one really understood. Daniel gave prophetic words about the Christ that people did not understand. Moses even, many times, who, you know, we look at what he writes and we think, well, you know, he writes different stories about the Exodus. Moses gave prophetic writings talking about Christ when he's right after Adam and Eve. The prophetic utterance goes forth from God and Moses pins it on paper. That listen, when he comes, the lineage in your line, your gener- generational lineage, there's going to be one coming one day that his heel is going to be bruised. He's going to crush the head of the enemy. Prophetic writings thousands of years ago that no one really understood. The Bible even says this, Paul writes this in, I think, Colossians, Ephesians, a couple other places. He said, had the prince of this world known, had he really understood what was going on, the plan of God, the story of Jesus, had he really known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Had the enemy known that the God, the plan of God was that he would crucify Jesus so that you could be redeemed and come to church, this is just a minor thing that you get to do. One day you get to enter into the kingdom of heaven and worship God and with angels and everybody and fall flat on your face and you think like, you're too reserved to lift your hands in church. I promise you, your face is going to hit the ground in front of Jesus. You're going to think, man, I wish I'd lift my hands more because I can't do squat for like an eternity and a half. I'm still like, ah, it's Jesus. Oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. He's still here. You know, that's what you're going to be like. This is nothing. But had the enemy known, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But what it did was this story, it kept people looking ahead. They heard about him. They heard the stories about Jesus, but they kept looking ahead for the coming of the Messiah. Do you realize that in the time and the birth of Jesus, I've said this many times, but I always like to, to say it because it's, it, sometimes we overlook the beauty of this in the Gospels and in the prophetic writings that went forth. For 400 years before you ever hear anything else taking place, God is silent for almost 400 years. Before the birth of Christ, there's a silence. No prophetic word has gone forth. But they have God's prophetic utterances from Daniel that is enough to pinpoint the birth of Christ within a three-year period. They knew he was going to be born. They knew the Messiah would be alive. The Pharisees, you know why Jesus picked on them so much? It's because they knew who he was and they rejected him anyway. That's why he was against them so much. Don't think of them as like just religious people. No, some of them guys are just flat evil. They knew he was the Messiah. They rejected him. But Isaiah gave this word, and so the, the people kept looking ahead. So Isaiah gave this word. He said in Isaiah seven fourteen. he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you this sign. Here's the sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child, and she will bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Matthew came along, Matthew, who was a Jewish, he was a, you know, obviously he was a tax collector, but he was Jewish. So he pins and writes according to what Isaiah said, Granted, Matthew wasn't there at the birth of Jesus. He probably may be the same, around the same age as Jesus, maybe a little younger. But Matthew 1.18, he says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is this so important? Because a man did not contaminate the birth of Christ. This is why so, people look over and look at this like, well, what's the big deal about the virgin birth? Oh, it, it's everything. It's everything. 
Because up until now, the lineage of Adam has contaminated sin, has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, she becomes pregnant. Jesus now is inside her womb. That matters. Because a man did not mess that up. He's holy now. Do you understand what I'm saying right there? It matters. Don't let people overlook that and say, well, it doesn't, you know, the virgin birth, what's the big deal? It is the biggest deal. Nothing else matters in the Bible without that. You can revelate and prophesy and do anything you want to do about everything else on coming on the end of this book. If you don't get that right, nothing else matters. Nothing. Everything about our Christianity hinges on the virgin birth. Can we all agree? Amen. That's right, it does. So he says this, verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through who? Through his prophet or the story through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Beautiful. But then, the birth happens. And like you would think, I mean, put aside, you know, I know the angels announced this, and to the shepherds, they saw it. I get it, the Magi, you know, they see the star. There's a lot happening there. We'll talk about it each week. But you would think there would be a big procession. Like God would make this huge like lightnings and thunderings, like, here is my son. This is what I've been taught. He didn't. Nothing was really said. He said to a few people, we'll talk about it later, but the birth happened, and he sends invitations out to the angels, to the shepherds, and to the matcha. Why, why didn't he send it to like Herod? When you read about Herod, you kind of see why. Herod's a little off. He's got some security issues, you know what I'm saying? But why so much prophecy beforehand and so little about his birth on the back end? Do you realize only two gospel writers in your Bible, Matthew and Luke, write about the birth of Jesus? The prophecies that go forward in the Bible are way more. There are hundreds of prophecies about the birth of Jesus or about Jesus Christ. Even Isaiah has the most. But Matthew and Luke are the only two in in the gospels. And it's very little about what they write. Matthew throws in some genealogy. Luke throws in a little bit about Mary and Joseph and everybody else. But that's it. Everything you have is on the birth, two writers that were not present at his birth. Matter of fact, Luke wasn't even in the 12. He's a doctor that got converted some other time down the road. You know, he's writing his stuff based upon eyewitnesses. They were not there. Why would God do that? Why would he put all of his stock into the prophet's story and give you two writers in the New Testament and leave you hanging with just that. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because the prophet's story is all about teaching us faith. Everything about God is based upon faith. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how little you have. Forget all that mess. It's about having faith in what he said. Not faith in what Jody said, faith in what he said. And is it possible that the prophetic writings teach us this greater lesson, much more than what we realize, and it's about faith? Instead of looking at the prophecies and go like, well, they prophesied about Jesus and he was born, what if God was trying to do something to create this, this within us so you would understand how God works so that later you wouldn't overlook it and still understand this is still how he works? That everything he does is by faith. And I know I taught on this just a little bit ago, but I really felt like going through some more of this. 
all of us, I'll give you a couple of thoughts on this today, all of us, we all need faith. Especially in 2020. I think I'm going to start saying it in Spanish. You know what, is it 2020? No, that's not right. What is that, Haley? 2020. Tell me again. Thank you. There you go. 2020. Am I close? All right, good. 2020. I think that's what I'm going to start calling it. Like 2020 is going to be striked from the like calendar year. You know what I'm saying? People are like, what happened? In? Don't even say it. We don't even say that word anymore. You know, like they go tape it off on the calendar. It's like Apple's going to delete it from your calendar on your phone. No longer will it just be an absent little moment there. But we all need faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us this. He says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Everything about God is faith. Watch this, just something very small, but, but I want you to hear this, because this is Christmas time. You just came out of Thanksgiving, probably maybe has some relational stuff going on there, I don't know. But this time of year, everybody goes through some kind of something, right? Luke 17, verse 3, Jesus said, So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person, and then if there is repentance, forgive them. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive them. So the apostle said to Jesus, Show us how to increase our faith. I gotta, I gotta do what? They cut me off in traffic. You want me to forgive them? Yes. They, they did what? Yes, you forgive them. Didn't say you had to be their best buddy, but Jesus teaches us, you don't forgive. And what do they say? You gotta help us. We, you gotta help us increase our faith. They weren't asking to do miracles. They were talking about forgiving people. You understand? They weren't trying to work a wonder. Wasn't a sign or anything like that. That's simple forgiveness. Oh, you're gonna have to help me, Jesus. I don't. Have you ever been there? Don't raise your hand. I know you have. So why then do we need faith, right? Let me give you this. Because you've got to have faith for the future. Listen, guys, I'm, I'm just be honest. Can, can I be real with y'all this morning? As Pastor Stephen says in youth group, they always say this. We're going to keep it 100, okay? That just means I'm going to be 100% transparent with you. Every day of my life, every day, somebody tells me something about why this nation's going to hell in a handbasket. Every single day. Now, for you, that may not be what you get to hear. Maybe for you, you get to hear something else. Not me. Every single day. So for all the Christians watching online, not anybody in here, but everybody watching online and everybody in this room, can we all just agree that the end of the world isn't coming? That he's still on the throne and we might ought to use a something called faith and trust him for the future. I mean, you know, we've been through a world war twice and come out on the other side. We got it printed on our money. I don't trust Biden and I don't trust Trump. I trust in God and we got to believe in him for the future. Not in these guys elected. But I hear it every day. Every single day. Oh, it's the end of the world. Man, I'm telling you, it's not the end of the world. You're just reading the wrong book. You've got to read about the one where it says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches. Not in this government. They can go bankrupt. He'll still take care of me. My family will not go without. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's talking about me. Maybe for you. Maybe you want to be that way. Not me. In my household? No, no, no. We serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we go in that door. They know this house is a house where Jesus is 
Lord, I trusted him with my college when I couldn't pay a bill. I trusted him when I couldn't afford my car. I trusted him when we were digging through the ashtray for money to buy my kids some chicken nuggets. And I will trust him in 2021. I am not going to stop trusting God. For what? The future. I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to roll on. I'm ready to roll on. Got to have faith for the future. Romans says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 22. I just had to get that out. Sorry. Just had to get that out. Romans chapter 8 and verse 24. He says, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, watch this, beautiful Christians, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we got to wait patiently and confidently for it. Listen, you got to have faith for the future. You gotta trust God now. Not when you have what you've been asking God for. If you got it, you don't have to trust Him. If you actually have what it is you ask for, it's no longer hope. You actually have it. It's not trust. Don't you know the prophets when they said what they said about Jesus? Don't you know that when they said what they said, it was a very scary thing for them to say that. They're putting every stock in what God has said. And once they say it, it's over. You can't take it back. In the Old Testament, if you were a false prophet, they chopped your head off. You're dead. I'd stink to be a prophet back then. Today, you can be a false prophet and nobody does anything about it. You can say anything. It doesn't matter. Back then, it could cost you your life. But they did it anyway. They were trusting God with something greater than what they saw. That's the last thing I want to share with you right now. And maybe this is just what's in me. And I just pray to God it'll get all up in you today. Is you have got to have faith for the fight. Give me just a few minutes right here to tell you this. About the power of prophecy. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. If you hadn't fought in a while, then you're not using any kind of faith. If everything has just gone well for you, praise the Lord. Your 2020 has just been abnormal. We, we're going to get you to come up here and pray for all the rest of us, all right? But for the, re- for the rest of us, you've got to fight on your hands. That's what faith is for. Pick up your weapon and fight with it. He says, hold tightly to this eternal life which God has called you, which you've confessed so well before many witnesses. Seems like this year we're ready to fight over everything except the one thing we're supposed to be fighting against, and that's the enemy. Use your faith to fight against him. So let me give you a couple of scriptures on this about prophecy, and I'm going to close out. 1 Timothy 1.18. You can write these down. Put them on the screen for you. If you're watching at home, put them on the screen for you there. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Prophecy is a weapon in your hand. If you've ever been given a prophetic word, somebody told and it was a real word from God, you're supposed to use that thing and fight the enemy with it. Somebody tells you, listen, you know what? I, I'm going to give you this word. You just trust God. You know, you kind of, they give you something. You're supposed to fight with that. Not just forget about it. A couple other scriptures. 1 Timothy 4.14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you. 1 Thessalonians 5.20. I'm going to read this fast, but I'm going to make a point with it when we close out. 1 Thessalonians 5.20. Do not scoff at prophecies. 
But test everything that is said. Hold on to that which is good. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. I'm going to put this on the screen for you. Don't ever take a picture of this, write it down, whatever you want to do. Go back and look at it later. I'm going to put this on the screen for you right now. What is prophecy? Prophecy is, first of all, it's a spiritual weapon. You're supposed to fight with it. This book wasn't given to you to read it and just do a little Bible study to figure out how many books of the Bible there are, how many stones David have in his pocket. It don't matter about how many stones David had in his pocket. He killed Goliath with it and used faith. That's what matters. Prophecy is a spiritual weapon. Second thing, it shouldn't be neglected. If it's true prophecy, don't neglect it. How do you know if it's true prophecy? It's a witness to your spirit. If you goes, man, that's, yeah, that seems like God, yeah. But if it makes you feel uneasy, hang tight. But if somebody gives you a word, man, fight with that thing. And the last one, it encourages you and strengthens you. Why am I saying this? Because every one of the prophetic words that Isaiah gave, Daniel gave, any other prophets in the Bible, it did exactly what I'm telling you right now. It was supposed to be a weapon in our hands. It wasn't supposed to be neglected. It's supposed to witness to your spirit. And it's supposed to encourage you and strengthen you. Now, why am I, why am I getting into all this today about the prophet's story about faith? Because you need to realize you're in a fight. I think we all, after this year, we've realized the enemy's trying to destroy so many different things, and he's a master at it. We have got to fight the right fight. Got to fight the right fight. So this morning, here's what I want you to hear today. The last verse I'm going to read to you is in Peter. Peter was there present when the Lord spoke from the clouds and said, This is my beloved son. Hear him freaked out all the disciples. But listen to what Peter said about that. He said, because of that experience, 2 Peter 1.19, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. And you must pay close attention to what they wrote. Did you hear what he just said? Pay attention to what they wrote, not my experience. Amazing. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Don't you need to light up some dark stuff around? Yeah. Until the day dawns and the Christ morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Man, I'm telling you, when the Bible says this book is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between soul and spirit, it's for real. So we used to tell, we used to be in Bible college, they called this a sword. That's what they called it, the sword of the spirit. And they'd say little goofy stuff. We'd say stuff like this because we Bible college. Like, I'm pick up my sword, man. I'm picking up my sword. Well, you know what? That's what it is. It is your sword. It's a sword of the spirit. And you should pick that thing up and fight the enemy with this prophetic word that's in here, just like the prophets of old did when they prophesied about Jesus. So listen, today, here's what I do. Yeah, thank you for letting me be transparent, first of all. <clears throat> Second of all, um, if, if you've allowed this year to convince you that the next month isn't going to get any better, and that's where you are right now, I want to pray for you this morning, and I want to encourage you to take a stand against that. That's just the enemy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He's telling you you're going to lose your job. He's telling you this country's going under. He's telling you you're not going to be able to do this. You can't buy a house. You can't do this. That is a lie straight from hell. 
And everybody that's young, if you're watching right now, or you're younger in this room right now, Jesus said this, when the Lord returns, it'll be just as it was in the days of Noah. They're going to be buying and selling. People are going to be buying houses, selling houses. People are going to be buying goods. They're going to get married. They're going to do business as usual. So if you think that Jesus is coming right now, if you're so scared that he must be coming right now, I'm telling you right now, I don't think it is. I don't think he is. Now, I'm not being a false problem when I tell you that. I'm just telling you, there's too many people on this planet not saved. There's too much work to be done. And there's way too many people saying it's the end. And anytime you hear people say it's the end, Jesus is going like, yeah, you're not going to tell me when I'm coming back. Because only the Father can do that. You get what I'm saying right now? So let's, let's kind of reboot ourselves right now today. I'm going to have faith for today and faith for tomorrow and faith for next year. And this Christmas isn't going to be like 2020 like crazy. I'm going to have a great Christmas. I am. I'm going to have a wonderful Christmas. I'm going to drink some eggnog. I don't even like eggnog. I'm going to drink it anyway. Anyway, let me, let me pray for you. I've got to get off this platform. Let me pray for you all. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that, God, you've given us faith for a reason, Lord. And we're not supposed to be people of fear, but we're supposed to be people of faith, Lord. We're supposed to have this, this ability to strengthen ourselves in the inside through the Holy Spirit. So I pray today, God, that you would energize us again, Lord. Reboot our hearts, reboot our minds, Lord, that we would receive again the spirit of faith, Lord, that we would believe your word, believe what you said, believe you for the future, that, God, that everything that's coming down the road is better than what was behind us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that people in here that might be afraid about doing something, Lord, I pray they follow your leading and follow your spirit, and, God, step out with you, Lord, and not be afraid, but, God, follow you in your leadings and in your promptings, Lord. I thank you, God, for giving us faith. I thank you, Lord, for for kind of supernaturally helping us just get the cobwebs out, get rid of all the doubt and the fear and the anxiety, Lord. Help us to believe you and believe your word again in the name of Jesus. And I pray today if anybody is here that doesn't know you or they're watching right now online and they do not know you, I pray today, Lord, that they would make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. So if you're watching at home or you're in this room right now, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. The Bible says if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. That simply starts with faith. Faith in Jesus, not in you. Faith in Jesus. So pray this simple prayer with me right now. Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I give you my life and I give you my heart. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you save me. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Take complete control. Do whatever you want to do, but move in my life, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give them a hand right now? Come on, let them know how much you love them and appreciate. Before we go today, man, listen, I want to pray for you. We always like to speak this over you before we leave. And I believe this with all my heart. I don't just do this as some religious liturgical thing that I do. Man, I believe this with all of my heart. That in Numbers chapter 6, when we declare a blessing over you, I believe God moves in that. I don't believe it's something. And if you think it's just religious, man, you need to believe what God says. It's not religious. But in Numbers 6.24, the Bible says this. Aaron is supposed to speak this. The priest of God, if you will. And I am no Aaron, okay? I am no Moses or whatever like that. I stand in the office as a pastor. So I'm going to speak this over you. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. This Christmas, I'm going to add something in there, right? May the Lord make his face shine upon you 
and give you his peace and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace this year in Jesus' name. Right, man. God bless you guys so much. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time. Oh,